How's that? Oh, oh, I think that works better. So good to join you on this beautiful morning. California doesn't get much better than this. So we have two days. And what I'd like to focus on during these two days are practices, some related theory that is utterly central to the Buddha Dhamma as a whole. Um, and at the same time, I think both the theories and the practices are universal. So if there are any Christians here, Hindus, Taoists, Christians, or how do you say, agnostics and so forth, I think equally relevant to everyone. That is, for the practices we'll be venturing into during these two days, uh, there's no, how do you say, articles of faith that one must adopt before one can venture in. Simply a spirit of eagerness, perhaps, or open-mindedness to explore certain domains of the mind, plasticity of the mind, as the psychologists like to say, or potentials of our own consciousness, or another way I like phrasing it, is really beginning, and for many of you I know you're old hands already, some of us perhaps more beginners, beginning to explore our own internal resources, as we in the, in the world of modernity have become so adept at exploiting the, the world's external resources. Uh, sometimes I think we overlook our internal resources. Right? So it's not one or the other, but perhaps greater balance would serve us all well. So the, I want to speak very briefly now, while your bodies are still fresh, your backs are not tight, knees are not screaming at you, I want to go to the cushion very quickly, but a very brief overview and also give you just a tiny bit of a sense of the, how do you say, format, format of what I have in mind for this weekend. Uh, we'll be focusing on two and actually I think touching on three, a third method for the practice of shamatha. And I'll explain these terms for those of you not familiar with them. But shamatha will be the primary topic for today. And these are ways of developing the attention skills. They're really foundational. They are the skills you will need to utilize in your practice of vipassana, cultivation of the four brahma viharas, and so forth. Really, the attention skills here are needed for every type of meditation, Buddhist or otherwise. But not only that, but for having a meaningful conversation with another person for raising your children, or having a meaningful relationship with a spouse or a friend, attention skills are crucial, right? Imagine, unless you can simply remember, what it's like having a conversation while your mind is really, how do you say, being plundered and pillaged by ADHD. <laughs> kind of hard to maintain a meaningful conversation. And so just a conversation, or any type, anything else, I mean, attention is really central to our whole presence here in the world. And refining it is, weirdly enough, an endeavor that's been almost entirely overlooked in the Western psychological tradition. Studies of attention abound. Ways of training the attention, extremely meager, quite odd. So there's that. And then the primary emphasis tomorrow will be looking into this, I would say, truly majestic matrix of practices for the cultivation of what I would say are the four sublime qualities of the heart. They're called the four immeasurables, they're called the four divine abidings, but they are indeed four sublime qualities of the heart. And you find this list of loving kindness, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity, you find that same list 
in the Patanjali Yoga Sutras. You find these themes cropping up very prominently in Christianity and Judaism. These are universal, universal virtues. And I actually say that quite literally. I'm assuming that on the other, somewhere between 500, what is it? 50 billion and 100 billion galaxies in our universe. I'm assuming that, I think it's very likely they must be populated. It would be so boring if they weren't. Uh, but I'm going to go out way on a limb here, and that is I would suggest that in any of the galaxies, in the known or the unknown universe, loving-kindness is still a virtue. Compassion is still a virtue. Empathetic joy, equanimity, these are truly universal virtues. Religious, not religious. Frankly, human or not human. I want to live in a world where these are virtues, and I have no interest in any world in which these are not regarded as virtues. But then here, once again, this, this untapped resource, while we in the modern world, pretty much in all worlds that I know of on our planet, do regard these as virtues. They are ones that we value, that we cherish. How much do we really know, we with all of our spectacular scientific knowledge, how much do we really know about our capacity for loving-kindness, our capacity for compassion, the possibility of drawing forth our own potential, and how that can be done. And when it is done, how do we know it? Right? So, fourfold. Fourfold. And it's not just taking four really neat, neat things and putting them into a bundle. Like, let's just kind of think of four virtues. Well, how about loving kind? No, it's, there's nothing random about it all. There are many, many other virtues. But these four, as I think we'll all see, they have an interrelationship, one can say a matrix of sublime virtues, where they support each other in, I would say, really awesome ways, really truly majestic ways. So if one needed, if one were forced, somebody just put, put, their, put your arm behind your back and twisted it until they just forced you to say something, and that is among the four, if you can only choose one, well, which one is going to be? You know, we're going to be really stingy here. You just can't have all four. You can only have one. Well, which one would that be? Well, I would reckon loving kindness would be a really good choice. Metta, maitri. Okay? So where this is taught and often uh, as almost like an orphan child, well, I would say good choice. Good choice. If you could only choose one, well, you really couldn't do better than loving-kindness. But actually, it is a family of four. And all the four siblings actually support each other in extraordinary ways. So even though our time here is relatively brief, I hope to give you some sense, both theoretically, because the words, ideas are important, but also equally importantly, and finally, of course, far more importantly, getting some taste so that this opens up in your practice. So again, I'm speaking as if you're all beginners. I know that's not true, but I regard myself as a beginner, so at least there's one beginner here. And so I think it's never, never a problem to go back to basics. Right? So on that note, why don't we just jump right in. What I'd like to do now, oh, I said I'd talk about format a little bit. Um, I'm following, in terms of the duration of sessions, I'm following a very ancient system from India. It goes back at least the 11th century, probably a lot earlier than that. And it is said for beginners like me, that keep your, keep your sessions relatively short. And that is, if you let them go on and on and on, then there's just kind of an implicit message, you know, this, this session's going on so long, there's plenty of time to kill. You know, you're going, oh. So the body's sitting in meditation, the mind's going on vacation. You know? So it looks really good. You might even keep a really good posture. <laughs> it's your launching pad for the mind going, like some fly buzzing around the room. Right? Whereas if you have a sense, and I'm really speaking of a kind of a psychological orientation, if you have a sense, I'm sitting down, but this is going to be a really short session, well, then you don't want to waste time. Right? And so our sessions are going to be 24 minutes. And I brought my high-tech gizmo, my 
what is this, a $300 timer? I bought my... Uh, brought my iPhone. Then I don't have to think about it. It's set for 24 minutes. 24 minutes in Sanskrit is called a gatika, a gatika. And this is what was suggested in an 11th century text that I've, no, actually a 9th century text that I've studied is a gatika. It's 1 60th of a 24-hour period. Not too long, not too short, not even quite a half an hour. So you see, boy, half an hour I might be used to, but this is shorter than half an hour, kind of skimpy. So boy, I don't want to waste time here. 24 minutes is going to go by lickety-split. And then as you become more familiar with the practice, get into the groove or get into the flow, uh, then you may want to start, you just may find that it's irresistible, to, irresistible not to extend it a bit. You know, add on three minutes, add on six minutes, add it on, because you just, you're just still so hungry that you just don't want to stop. And it's not tapering off, you're not getting sloppy towards the end but really maintaining whatever quality you can bring to bear, and I'll tell you exactly what I mean by quality quite shortly, then you may gradually want to extend the, number, the, the, extend the duration of the sessions. And then if you have a lot of time, for example, if you go off and do a, a weekend solitary retreat, a home retreat, then you may feel, oh, I've got all day here. Then you may want to have many sessions, and then as you become more and more adept in the practice, then you have fewer sessions, but they're of longer duration. So there are people I've taught about two years ago who were in a three-month retreat with me, we all pretty much started with 24-minute sessions. And now some of them are doing two, three-hour sessions and maintaining very high level, very high level of attentional continuity, clarity. And the body's relaxed, the body's happy. You know? So that's kind of the, the groove. Yeah? So that's what we'll do. So we will start with two sessions, but we will have a break. So we'll have to do a 24-minute session. You'll hear my little Celtic harp coming from the uh, you know, iPhone. And then we'll have a second session. And then I'll start talking about the meditation. But I figure, you know, life is short. Let's have dessert first. <laughs> so we'll meditate first. We can talk about it later. Right? But who knows? There could be an earthquake. And maybe we'll only have one session. Never can tell. <laughs> well, this looks like a pretty nice lightweight roof. I think I'm pretty comfortable. So we'll do this. And then we'll ha we're having a three-hour session here. What we'll do for each for the three-hour sessions is, of course, we'll take a break in between. Something like 15 minutes. So time to... Take a pee if you go pee if you need to, or I think we have some tea, whatever you like. All right. And what we'll do is we'll we'll be having I think probably three sessions of these twenty-four minute sessions in the morning, three in the afternoon, some dharma talk each time, some discussion each time. Then for those of you who can come back in the evening tonight from seven to nine, no dharma talk, just a couple of sessions, and then open it up for discussion. Okay? Because I feel my own predilection is having a good conceptual understanding is not trivial. So that we're not just technicians, just knowing certain techniques, but with no framework. Right? So having some theoretical understanding, but the theoretical understanding very deeply interwoven with mm, the practice. Very good idea. So before we know, the last time I was here, about three years ago, it was a similar weekend retreat. And I remember quite vividly that um, it was the weekend retreat of the World Cup for soccer, and it was the Wimbledon final. <laughs> so, all the tennis, tennis fans and all the football fans, I don't think they came. And then this time I have the, um, how do you say, the strange fortune that I believe His Holiness is speaking today, is it, in Berkeley? Yeah, yeah today. So all of you do, who didn't get tickets, welcome. <laughs> so sorry, hope, hopefully you can get tickets next time he comes to town. <laughs> 
but I've had the great good fortune to be with him a lot this year. I was with him for seven days in, uh, in Saranat in January. I just organized a five-day conference in Dharamsala with him, four and a half hours a day. And then I was just down in Santa Barbara yesterday receiving, attending two lectures. So if you'd like me to tell you anything he said, I'm just glad to, uh, you know, <laughs> never mind me, I'll just be a proxy for him. <laughs> but without further ado, let's jump onto the cushion and have some practice.